Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And this week we're coming back for episode 15 of the podcast, John. 15! Uh, I think we're on 16, actually. Are we on... Y'all, I apologize. We have been recording as much as possible while we've got snow here where we're at. Um, and ice. So much ice. So much ice. Good lord. Right out front, uh, I've got almost, I'd say probably two, three inches of solid ice, like, all over the walkway. It's it's rough. It's pretty brutal. But we're trying to use this time to bulk record, so that way, you know, we've got a couple episodes of the backlog to make sure that even if something happens in our lives, we got some extra content waiting in the wings, and you guys won't even notice. You know, so if we get hit by a bus... Don't worry, the AOS talk will keep happening. <laughs> John, please don't get hit by a bus. I mean, I do work at school. John, please hit me with a bus. That's all I ask. I, they don't <laughs> let me drive the bus. <laughs> so on this episode, si- allegedly episode 16, uh, I can't believe we've been doing this this darn long. Good lord. Um... We thought we'd break into a topic that is very dear and dear to John and I's hearts. Because we have, we've done this particular topic more times than we care to admit. We're going to talk about second armies. And I guess in our case, like, ninth armies? Yeah, twelfth. Sometimes we do the same army a couple times because we can't... Stick to it, and then keep going back to it. Can't quit you. It's okay. <laughs> Duck from 2 plus tough also jumps around armies, and if he does it, it must be okay. So, I think yeah, we're fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this episode, we wanted to kind of take a moment and, and dive into something that I think a lot of people might be getting into right now, at least if you kind of got into this game around the release of Ninth Edition in 40k. Or maybe you've been playing AOS for a while, but you've just been in quarantine for a long time. Uh, I know, at least for me, I get a little a little twitchy in regards to wanting to start a new army with all this hobby time on my hands. So we thought it'd be worth kind of breaking its own topic about after we kind of mentioned it in a previous episode. But first, John, we move into sort of the, the more conversational, fun topics that we're going to be doing every episode. So first off... Games played. John, you played any games? Nope. Uh, I've been... <laughs> we're, I, I wanted to do some tabletop simulator with you, Joe. Um, we, I think we were going to try to do some this week, but with the snow and the ice storm, I were to school, so I've been out chiseling ice off sidewalks for days. So I haven't really had time to uh, get out there and play any tabletop games, or do a lot of hobby progress in general. Um, so... I have mostly just spent the days listening to lore and like uh, other content creators and podcasts and stuff about 40k and Age of Sigmar, specifically about Beast Chaos, for uh, for a while now, trying to get a grasp of what I want to do with them and uh, what future purchases I'm going to make for them and what conversions I'm going to plan. That's been most of my hobby progress this week. What about you, Joe? Uh, hey man, no shame. You do what you can. Um. For me, I've actually had pretty good hobby progress, and it's all been driven, well, I guess I should start, I haven't had any games played, but I have a game scheduled. I have a game scheduled for next weekend. So, 
And because of that, I have been hobbying on all cylinders, doing my best. Um, I mentioned last episode that my buddy Jake uh, obviously just got his new Death Guard book, his new codex. He's very excited. It looks super cool. And he wants to kind of like take him out for a showing and try to learn this new book because it's very different than the last one. Um, So I'm more than happy to throw down and help him do that. And I will be learning Salamanders, which I have been hobbying on for like five months and I have never played, not once. So we will both be playing what is essentially new armies, and it'll be our first game in ninth edition since it released because, you know, COVID. Um, so we are super excited, and I am trying my best to build up a 1,000-point list before then. Well, not so much build, but paint up a 1,000-point list before then. And I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm going to try. So to support that, I have been hobbying like a fiend. Uh, my 3D printer has been running constantly trying to get bits spit out because um for people out there who aren't so aware of the lore uh, i'm a big fan of the salamanders and one of the things that's kind of endemic in their lore is that their primarch vulcan think of him like their big old murder dad uh who is like the progenitor of all of them uh was a smith by trade and he would have rather stayed a craftsman than become a warrior but when he was forced to become, you know, essentially a a war chieftain um, and wage war across the galaxy as a compromise, he wanted to teach his sons this trade of smithing. So all of the salamanders are smiths, every single one of them. Every battle brother on the field makes and maintains their own armor and upgrades it as they go. So I really want my more elite squads to have a unique look. You know, I want them to have cool salamander pauldrons, and I want them to have different looking shields and little pieces of iconography. And uh, in particular, I want my cus- my captain to be custom. So I am taking uh, the captain with the the relic shield and the power sword out of the, the Dark Imperium box. No, not Dark Imperium. Uh, Indominus box. And I am lopping off that hand to replace the sword with a a power spear that has, like, the the Salamander's logo on it. Um, I'm giving him a backpack with, like, a brazier at the top with flames on it. Uh, I'm giving him, like, bigger, bulky Salamander pauldrons with, like, the rune for the second company and the chapter logo on the other shoulder. Um, You know, just trying to add some flavor. And I want to do that to as much as I can, but I only got a week to do it. So we'll see if I actually get it all painted up in time, but I'm going to try my damnedest. It's been all hands on deck. Yeah, it uh, sounds like it, but at least like you're making something real cool. I'm a huge fan of conversions. Uh, that's one of the things that we do a lot of with my Beast Chaos is making like custom Beast Lords and Doom Bulls and characters and stuff like that. So I I feel that. Yeah, at least, you know, I, my regular intercessors or basic foot troops, I don't care if they look kind of generic because in canon, they're the newest battle brothers. So they probably haven't figured out how to smith their kid up anyway. But it's the, the more veteran troops, you know, the aggressors, the captain, the, yeah. the apothecary, the librarian. Those are people who've been doing it a while and they've probably got some pretty incredible stuff that they've made over time. So... I want to try to put a little bit of effort into them. 
And isn't part of the lore for Salamanders that they like they still have a very good relationship with the people of Nocturne and like to the point of even some Salamanders will retire onto the planet? Yeah, so like the one or a few chapters that do that. Yeah, so to my knowledge, at least in canon, uh they're the only Space Marine chapter who keeps ties with their human family. And I mean for like generations. They will live on the planet of Nocturne amongst the residents and they will have friends and family and they will act as sort of these guiding patriarchs throughout the ages um, from generation to generation. So that actually influences the lore of my captain. Um, So if you look at like the captain from that box, he's got a big power shield, but on the front is a skeleton. And I think in the lore of that guy, that is actually going to be the skeleton of, like, the first family member that he lost. That he still carries around, to this day, on his shield into battle. That's very grimdark, but also very great. Yeah, you know, if you had a mentor who kind of raised you and made you great, you probably wouldn't want to, like, just consign his bones to the dirt. Especially if, you know, maybe he died in battle. Like, it it's probably good to carry that keepsake around for you. So I think I'm going to keep that in the lore. Um, so yeah, I'm very, I love the salamanders, but I've just, I've never gotten to play them, you know, like I got into them while COVID was already hot and heavy. So we just have not had a chance to get a game in. So I'm very excited to give them a whirl and try to learn the force. I, I hope they're not too hard. Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be all right. I, I think you'll just have a good time having getting to play a game finally. Oh, good God, yes! I'm gonna be so bad. It's gonna be so fun. That's it's okay. Your, it, and uh, this isn't exactly your first force, so and that'll that'll help us segue like professional oh, podcasters, like into professional our podcasters. Topic. <laughs> um, well, I will. Before we move into like the topic proper, I just want to throw out, um, I look on Anchor, and we have a couple of listeners who are in Dallas, Texas, who listen to the podcast. And uh, for our non-American listeners right now in the U.S., there's uh, an incredible ice storm that has hit the southern half of the U.S., and Texas is in bad shape. Um, as much as I could get on my soapbox and go on about it, because I work in the energy sector, um, simply put, a lot of people are without power and in homes that are in freezing temperatures and just because of where they live, we're not prepared for it. And the energy grid wasn't either. But for y'all out there who are listening to the podcast from Texas, we, from John and I, we hope y'all are all right and that you're warm and you're safe and you got everything you need. Um, it's rough out there, but we're pulling for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here in Kentucky, we didn't get it quite so bad, but we still got like a lot of power outages, a lot of, Bad roads, stuff like that. So I can only imagine it being 10, 20 times worse down there. And uh, I can't... I hope you guys pull through it. So Fingers but crossed, y'all. Hopefully but, uh, we can make you smile a little bit with our dumb jokes in this stupid podcast. <laughs> and look, if we could give you an hour, uh, 45 minutes to an hour of levity, I will consider this well worth it. So good luck to y'all out there. Um, but yeah, John, the, the Salamanders are not my first army. You're darn tootin'. God, they really are. This isn't even my first... These models have been painted a different color of Space Marine already. It's not even my first Space Marine army. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, that'll tie us into talking about starting a second force. How to decide, manage doing that, all that fun stuff. So, why don't we go through this by asking you, Joe, why did you decide to start a second army? 
Uh, number of questions. Well, number of answers there, but for me, I think I wanted to try different play styles than my main army had. Um, as you can imagine, when people play a game often, they kind of get used to whatever sort of archetype they are playing at that moment. So let's say, for example, you're playing a MOBA. You're a MOBA player. You play League of Legends or you play Dota. You're probably going to play one champion really hard for a while. And then eventually you're going to learn that champion pretty well. And you're going to feel like, eh, I've kind of got this down. Uh, I want to try another champion. Or if you're playing a shooter, maybe you want to try another weapon. Or if you're playing an RTS, maybe you want to try another faction. And that sort of familiarity and comfort and understanding, similarly, in this game, you could kind of get there with your army if you play it fairly often and you only have one of them. And that's more so the case in some books than others, because some books only have like 12 units total. So you have less uh, variables there that you can play with. But I think for me, that was my main driver, was I kind of wanted to try some of the other army archetypes that were out there. You know, I wanted to try a heavy melee faction or maybe try a heavy shooting faction. Uh, I've never, for example, uh, we did a paint challenge weekend before we were putting out the podcast. Um, and I started printing up, a an Imperial guard army because I never played a shooting faction, never done it. And I just, I wanted to give it a whirl. And I think a lot of people are feeling that out there. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest reasons that people want a second army. Yeah, I think that's for sure. And, you know, you can also just get a, want to get a second army because maybe you've, you've got like 5,000 points of a certain faction. You don't really want to buy any more into that faction and you just want something new and different that you want to paint. Like maybe it's not even a mechanical thing. Maybe you go from one melee army to another melee army, but it's just now you went from playing corn demons to playing like uh, harlequins. Or maybe like, like you're playing iron jaws or something like yeah, it's very and different materials that you're painting, whereas one is like power armor, the other might be like hammered metal and a lot of flesh tones. And I could see like if you're especially into painting, having something else to kind of break that up would be great. Yeah, like that's one of the reasons a lot of people pick up Tyranids after playing something like Space Marines for a while, because Space Marines is almost all power armor. But going to something like Tyranids, it's all now all bio. Like yeah, it's all it's all very organic from top to bottom. And I think uh, that's a perfectly good reason to want a new army. Um, or I think also we've, you know, we're coming hot off of the episodes about what to do if you're playing a, a sort of a lower tier faction, mechanically speaking, and what to do if you're playing a higher tier faction, mechanically speaking. And in that episode, we mentioned one of the options, if you're having those issues, was... To play another army in the meantime, until you, while you wait for new rules to come out for whatever faction that you want to be playing. And I think that's also a driver for people picking up a second army. You know, if, if you're playing something that is very, very weak or way too strong, and it is kind of getting you down and you're bummed out, maybe picking up a second army that's somewhere closer to the middle or wherever else you want that power spike to be is a good way to kind of keep the fun rolling in the hobby while also keeping you occupied until the new rolls roll in. Yeah, or maybe you you like to go to tournaments occasionally, um, but you want to have like a casual army to play with your buds, the local game store, or and you want to have your competitive army to take to tournaments. That's also another option. 
there's people who decide that they want to start a second force because they want to have two armies on standby so they can get their friends to come play the game and run them a demo game in their house. Oh, yeah. There's definitely something to be said about it, like a beginner-friendly army as to, to hand to people to demo with. That's Yeah. Like, there's the the reasons for starting another army are multitude and many. If you're thinking about doing it and you can do so, like, reasonably, uh, you probably just, just should. Uh, it'll breathe, breathe a lot of new life into the game. Uh, it'll breathe a lot of uh, excitement. Like, every time I get a little down because I haven't seen any, any new world leaders in a long time, rip me. Uh, <laughs> that's what made me start Tau. Like, even though Tau aren't doing the greatest right now, I just really wanted clean robot to shooting dudes because I've been playing bloody chop people in half dudes for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of perfectly leads us into how to pick that second force. Like, there's a number of reasons you might want one, but I think the difficult part is trying to actually pick which one you're going to get. And yours is a perfect example of maybe consider the flavor of what you currently play and maybe take that into account when you're picking your army, well, second army, and grab something that's totally different in flavor. Um, yeah, or if if you really only like playing in the game a certain way. Like, uh, I, we were discussing, I believe it was last episode, that I like to play armies that are in the danger zone. Like, they they always are, like, semi-close, and they can be getting into fistfights, but it's also, like, high-risk, high-reward. Uh, that's so, even when I play Tau, I'm playing, like, mid-range, get-in-your-face Tau. I don't play sit three feet away from you Tau. And... I think that that can also help you figure out what faction you want to play. Because you might play something like Blood Angels, for instance, which are a semi-kind of elite melee force. Maybe you really like the melee, but you kind of want to see what it's like to play, like, hordes. Well, maybe make a Tyranids horde melee army, or uh, orcs are another good example. An orcs heavy melee horde army. Like, that'd be great. Yeah, like figure out what you like and what you don't like, because you can keep aspects of the army that you have now and kind of branch out into a new flavor to figure out like what it is you're looking for on the other side of the fence. Yeah, you could. Um, for me, at least, I wanted instead of keeping something kind of similar to my first faction, I wanted something totally different. That was kind of what I was always looking for was um, to get something of a totally new type. And to really hammer that in with my second faction. Um, and at least that's where I kind of find fun at. But I think also another large driving factor for me is the narrative. Now for many people this doesn't matter at all. Like if you're purely a mechanical tournament player. The, the lore probably doesn't even pop into your head. Like that's probably barely a thing you consider at all. But for someone like me who is a colossal lore whore and who just ingests this, these books and sort of vid, uh, YouTube videos about it and really tries to dive into these game systems histories. I am largely influenced by the lore of a faction. And that really pushes me to play some things over others. Um, for example, I have a tendency of playing order armies um, you know, cause like, I'm just, 
I'm not a chaos person. Like the idea of I am, you know, haha, twirly mustache. I am here to destroy everything. You don't like playing villains. It's okay. It's just not you, my. You well, I will play antagonists, but I do not like an antagonist who's an antagonist for antagonism's sake. Um, which is why actually I dove into Gloob Spike Gits because I think they are a great antagonist, but I love the lore behind their motivation. Like the idea that these little goblins worship the moon as a god and they just follow this. Uh, mystical evil smiling moon across the sky wreaking havoc wherever it goes in hopes of bringing Gorka Morka into the mortal realms is so so compelling to me um and I think I feel that way about destruction in general that like they don't necessarily think that they should be in charge of everything but they definitely don't think you should be in charge of everything so they're really just here to hit everybody in the kneecaps to make sure that no one has any rules I mean that's that's one of the things I like about Beasts of Chaos is that they're they're the closest to a destruction force in chaos. Like because they they're like the true children of chaos and don't have any sort of like they don't have a plan. Their whole reason for being is to go that civilization it needs to get broken. Like they're just the opposite of order. Order cannot exist without them because they're the pandemonium. And they can't exist without order, because, like, in multiple other stories, when they completely destroy order, they just kind of have a mental breakdown and go, what do we do now? Well, like, <laughs> generally, kill each other. That's yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. what you do. You need a target. It, you gotta have something to fight against. And so, like, that, that brings some, like, bigger, higher concept stuff to some of these armies, which is very interesting, as opposed to some of the, some of the more mustache twirling moments, like... Abaddon the Despoiler in 40k, who's just like, I've done 13 Black Crusades, and all of them have been for a different part of my plan, and I will eventually take Terra, and we're like, dude, that was like 10,000 years ago, are you gonna chill out yet or not? Like, what? what are you, what's your end goal here, bud? Men like, really will wage war for 10,000 years to avoid going to therapy. It's, yes. it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. Your grandpa's been dead for 10,000 years. He's sitting in his, his golden throne. Leave him be. He's fine. But pap, give Papa his war medicine and get over it. Like, can we move on for the love of God? Oh, my Lord. I, I know he wouldn't let you go to the Papa Roach concert, but damn it, Abaddon. There's no reason for you to get so damn mad about it. <laughs> I want you to know, Abaddon, this isn't actually your last resort. Like, there there are other <laughs> options. There's like 17 other things at least that you could be doing, but instead, you killed Sigismund. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, see, like, that is a thing that is considered. Like, I find some of these armies uh, sort of in lore explanations for their motivations to be absolutely silly and it makes me instantly look at them and go and nah no thanks i'm good um whereas others i'm drawn to it so like if you are someone out there who's kind of like me or the things i'm saying kind of resonate with you a little bit dig around in the lore like maybe read a novel or two just look through some of like we've recommended in the past different youtube channels who do lore listen to some of them see if you find one that really really works for you let me tell you, you know, it, during this year when I'm not playing the game, the thing that really keeps me hobbying is the lore. Like, that that's really it. That's currently the engine in this boat that keeps me moving across the lake. And 
if you're someone like me, it might do the same for you. Yeah, and like I know we're saying like mustache twirling villains and stuff, but even some of them, like you can find stuff you enjoy about their story. Like uh, Black Legion, uh, the Black Legion books by Aaron Dembski Bowden. Like I've read those. And it shines a completely different light on the Black Legion as a whole to make them not so much just about Abaddon, but about each other. Like about what they lost in the Horus Heresy, what they lost because of the Primarchs and the Emperors and, and, and all of that, which is a way more compelling story. It's, it's way more interesting than the stuff that happens in the main books or like in the Chaos Codex where it's just they're Black Legion because they follow Abaddon, the evilest evil man. Like, they, they give some of the novels a chance to see how you really like about, like, the flavor of them and if they're, like, what you're looking for. Like, the Salamander's novels by Nick Kime are amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm reading them now. They're wonderful. Yeah, so, they're so top good. shelf. Top shelf. And uh, it gives a lot of nuance to a chapter that otherwise seems kind of one note, which I'm a big fan of. And for the longest time, they did not have a lot of lore uh, in the Codex. Like, all their lore was trapped behind Horace Heresy novels that were kind of scattered all over the place, or, like, they just recently got a supplement. And, like, those books were, like, the only place to get lore for Salamanders for the longest time. And I'm glad they've added more, because the Salamanders are a very interesting, unique faction of Space Marines. And uh, I want to see more stories of them. Also, I need GW stop being cowards and give me salamanders versus orcs versus world eaters on Armageddon again, please. I demand it. You leaked it, and you hinted at it in your ninth edition rulebook. Give it to me. I want to punch Joe with Karn. Oh <laughs> my lord! If they, I need them to give me Vulcan. I want. I want my soft blacksmith dad to fight your angry demon dad, and we must have this battle for the ages. And then afterwards, we can both <laughs> cry and eat chicken nuggets together. It'll be great. Yeah, it'd be so good. Oh, and then we could both team up to fight against Tanner's orcs. That's yes. what needs to happen. That's the weekend of champions, and I need it. Please, yeah, Gabe's Workshop, help me do this. <laughs> <laughs> COVID's stopping us right now, but when COVID's over, you best stop. We can better get out of our way, Games Workshop. Please, for the love of God, give me this. Um, yeah, it's it's a thing. It's worth kind of reading the novels to really get a sense of some of these factions, because they might not be as one note as you would initially think. So if you do like the aesthetic of something, give it a chance. Read through it. Um, I also think kind of this one... It kind of ties into what we were talking about a little earlier, but maybe you want something of a different challenge level than your main army. So let's say that, uh, as we kind of mentioned earlier, maybe you're playing a faction that right now is super, super strong in whatever game system you're playing. And not necessarily just Games Workshop, but like whatever game system you guys out there listening to this play, let's say your army currently is very strong. You're like top of the brackets. Super, super mechanically powerful. With very little effort, you could dominate most other things in the game. As we talked about last episode, that might kind of suck for you if you play in a mostly casual setting. 
You know, you might be blowing your friends out of the water. You might be crushing them without meaning to. It might be actually hurting the fun that you could have in those games. And I've been there. It, it's a rough spot to be. So maybe this is a good time. Maybe that's a thing to consider. Maybe it's a good time to get a second force and instead get one that's kind of towards the middle or lower down in terms of power. Yeah. To kind of challenge you a little more than your main force might. Where you really have to kind of learn the basics of the game to punch above your weight class rather than kind of punching down with your main army. Yeah, or maybe you're playing something like, uh, I don't know, uh, Space Marines, like Ultramarines, or like uh, Imperial Fists or something. And you're so used to like the Space Marine shooting mechanics, but you still want to play a shooting army, so you switch to like Admech, which are a more complicated kind of like cogs in the gear machine kind of army like it's an engine that has one job and that is shoot uh, <laughs> it's really good at it though in their defense yeah and but it's a nice middle of the pack army like i don't think i don't think there's a lot of ad mech out there they're completely like going five and oh against everybody and stomping everybody but it's it's fun like a good good middle ground and i think that that's that's another way of looking at it is how can you challenge yourself with a new force when you've kind of stagnated? So Yeah, I think it's definitely a heavy consideration. And to be honest, for people out there, I would recommend you consider all three of those things at once. Like, mm -hmm. this isn't something where it's like one or the other. You could think about all of these together. That's, that is a thing that you can do. And I think you should, because it'll get you kind of the best choice when you go to make it. And one of the best things about Warhammer and Age of Sigmar, and don't get me wrong, both games have the, their own problems, but you cannot say they don't have a ton of factions. Like, there's a lot of choice, there's a lot of build potential, there's lots of different things you can play. There will be something for you to play that you'll enjoy. Uh, it's one of the largest, like, both of these are the largest miniature games out there. Yeah, I it, don't think there's very many that are larger than them. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason we use it as the general framing mechanism for the podcast topics, because so many people play them. Yeah, and it's and getting to know playing these games will let you dive into to playing other games, too, which we'll we'll talk about starting new games in a later episode, because me and me and Joe are going to be doing that ourselves sometime oh, soon. <laughs> oh, I'm trying. I'm trying so hard, but Infinity's so complicated. <laughs> My poor little peanut brain has a hard time understanding how, how all these mechanics work. I don't think that they understand that we are himbos, and we just want to go bang-bang with our dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was kind of looking at the stuff like, alright, what's the easy army? Oh god, there is no easy army. Oh no! <laughs> Uh, yeah. But the monitors are so cool. <laughs> like, uh, God we'll, damn it. We'll, we'll struggle through it. It'll be we'll right. get there. Don't worry. John, write that down as an episode topic. Um, but I think with all of that in mind, let's assume that kind of at this point that you have at least, maybe you haven't like totally put your foot down on like what force you're going to get, but at least you have an idea. You're moving in the right direction. You're maybe narrowing it down. So... I think that kind of moves on to the most important part of this. How do you actually get a new force? Like, what's that process like? Because let me tell you, you can do it wrong. There, it, it ha I have done it wrong myself. 
I once spent my entire tax return on an army that I had convinced myself I wanted to play. I built all the models, played two games with it, and went, I spent $600 on shit that I don't want to play. <laughs> and then turned around and sold them to somebody for $600. Like, I I made a mistake. Uh, yes, for the record, that is the definition of doing it wrong. <laughs> Good God, John. You degenerate. Uh, hey, listen. There's worse things you can spend your money on. I mean, that's <laughs> technically true, but that's a low bar. You trip on it coming in the door. That's uh, the only way to live. Always keep the bar low. That way you're always successful. All right. So I guess rule number one, do not spend <laughs> your entire tax return on an army you have not played in bulk. Bad idea. <laughs> I didn't think we'd have to write that as a rule, John, but here we are. Keeping me on my toes. Um, but I do think that actually kind of gets into my main piece of advice. So John just kind of mentioned like buying everything at once for a new army, like a two full 2000 point list or whatever game system you're playing, um, to just like buy a full army at once, just a bajillion boxes. You walk in with a leaning tower of stuff that you like have to squat to get into your house. I, I, I know there are people out there who could do that. And for people who are like really, really, really good at bulk building armies and painting armies like that. Good on you. You're champions. I respect you so, so much. I take my hat off for you, but, uh, I, you can take my spot in the line at the Chili's. You can't, you can have it. You can go in Denny's before I do, but I don't think there are very many of those people. I think I've seen far more people do that and regret it than I've ever seen do it and pull it off. Um, we are not all Vince Ventrilla, Lord of painting. Um, so for the average person who is but a mere mortal, uh, start small. Don't, don't go all out when you figure out what faction you're into. Start a little smaller and maybe dip your toe in. Um, for Games Workshop, they make start collecting boxes that I think are an incredible way to get into a new force. That each one's got a little bit of a different composition, but generally speaking, the composition is like, here's one hero. Here is one sort of elite unit, and then here's a foot troop. And some of them have even more than that in there. Some of them are, like, packed with value. And some of the factions have other stuff. Like, right now, the Necrons versus Space Marines boxes. There's, like, three tiers of boxes for starting, like, new stuff. Or just, out, like, augmenting what you already have. Uh, that'd be great to uh, split with friends, because it's actually cheaper most of the time. Yeah. Than buying them individually, so... Yeah, and it, that's a way for you to get, you know, a good number of models for whatever your new faction is, but not an overwhelming mountain of plastic, you know? You're you're starting with something that's, it, you're not biting off more than you can chew, it's just the right amount. You get to paint up all those, build them all up, maybe even play a tiny game with them. And I think that's kind of the way that you should go, because maybe you play that first tiny game with them, or you're building them, or you're painting them, and you... You know, you have a chance to find out if you're really into them before you totally buy the cow and the farm. Yeah. You know, if you really don't enjoy it for whatever reason, maybe you don't like having to paint all the flesh tones and you didn't think you would have that problem. Or maybe you don't like building the models or you get them in person and they just don't look right to you. That's fine. You're only out a start collecting box and you could shift those models used pretty easily. Absolutely. It's it's pretty 
pretty easy. And that'll lead to another thing. Maybe you've picked up a star collecting box. You don't like it and you're going to, you need to offload it. You can offload it into different Facebook groups. You can offload it onto eBay. But if you are wanting to start something and you're okay with having a little bit of like, not directly from the source, maybe some secondhand models, uh, maybe look up some Facebook groups that have buy or sell trade. They, I think Reddit does it too. Um, eBay, that kind of stuff that you can pick up some cheaper models generally, um, sometimes damaged. Yeah. Uh, sometimes like they need a little bit of saving and rescuing, but if you're a veteran in the hobby or you've been doing it for a bit or you're confident in your artistic ability, you can like just pick some stuff up for cheap on a steel and just refurbish it and turn it into a project of its own. Yeah, uh, that's and, another option too. And you can get a ton of value that way. There's actually a YouTube channel called eBay Miniature Rescues who is incredible at this. And I, I really appreciate what he's out there doing because uh, he he breaks it down step by step. But his whole premise is he goes on eBay and he finds a really cheap model or like lot of models, like a big bundle. And some of them are in bad shape. I mean, like dire straits. Most people would probably throw them in the garbage. And then he will show you piece by piece, hey, these things are salvageable. Here's a, I'm going to salvage them and I'm going to show you every step and then you can do it yourself if you want to. And I think that kind of opens up a whole new realm for people who are kind of handy, you know. Um, it's not something I would recommend for a new person because it's it's definitely a little more time intensive than just like opening a box of new models and following the instructions. But now it's something I don't mind at all. Especially because, like, I have a 3D printer. If I get something and it's missing bits, you know, like, ah, this this Celestip Prime needs new wings. He's, his wings have broken off. That's fine. I'll, I'll print new wings and I'll glue them on. Or, I don't know, these weapons have broken transport. Whatever. I'll, I'll print new weapons. That's fine. Or, you know, oh, the paint's bad. Well, I'll, I'll strip it. That's fine. That's cool. Um, and if you're willing to put in that sort of work and you're, that doesn't kind of all of that talk didn't just scare you and like increase your heart rate. It's a good option. You could save yourself a ton of money that way. And I've done it. Hell, I've flipped armies and made money on them as opposed to what I spent on them. There's definitely oh, some, yeah. there's some gas in that tank. And like, we can, we, we've told you how like monetarily, how to get started doing this, but maybe you're having a struggle of like, okay, you don't want to have to spend the money and the time to make 2,000 points of army. You, maybe you want to start and slowly learn with this army, maybe with a friend. Uh, well, we've talked about it in the past, and, like, doing crusade or escalation um, games or, like, maybe a narrative campaign. Like, sit down with your buddy. Maybe you guys both go to the store together. Each of you buy, like, the half of a starter kit, like a two-box star, a two-person starter kit, or maybe each of you buy a star collecting box and start playing with each other once a week, and then you buy a unit and you fold it in. Like, you can do that, too. Uh, I think that that's a lot of fun. I've personally enjoyed doing that in the past. Really kind of wish I could do it right now, but uh Ugh, I wish. Um, Like, we've talked about it multiple times. If me and Joe made more money, like, we would absolutely just start picking a force and just slowly build it and play games with each other every week. It'd be great. Oh, <laughs> like, secret dreams. Um, yeah. Uh, hell, public dreams. Um, Yeah, I think this is the best way to get a new force. Like, I will just gonna kind of put the kibosh on it for me this is the optimum way to build a force is with like a slow grow league or a crusade game because you get to start small and you don't need a whole lot to begin with 
and you could kind of paint up those handful of units before the campaign starts. And then as you go, you know, sometimes you're at, you get to choose what you add. Other times you're rolling dice and you're adding random stuff, but you're doing it slowly. Generally like one, maybe two units at a time. And that gives you time to not get overwhelmed. You know, you're taking off little pieces at a time and you're painting them and you're building them and you're playing games as you go. And you're kind of learning about the army. And then before you know it, you've got a full force right there in front of you. And not only do you have a full force that may even be painted if you're in one of those leagues, but you know how to play it. Yeah, like you've learned all of the ins and outs of playing this because you've probably played like 10 or 12 games with them over the course of a few months and slowly built up like using these units. Like use a small portion, get used to using all those, fold in a new unit, learn how to use that and how it works with all of them, then another unit, then another unit. Like that'll really build up your competency with that faction. Uh, and if you wanted to, even maybe start taking that faction to like tournaments. Like even if it's not a top tier faction, just to see how far you can go. Like I know uh, Frontline Gaming, even though a lot of people play like the competitive lists, they have prizes for individual like best in faction, like best in this specific faction. And that's the thing people like to do, where they're like, I really like, say, playing Adeptus Mechanicus. And they really want to see how far they can go with Adeptus Mechanicus. Even if their, you know, Admech isn't doing the best. Maybe they're only getting two out of, you know, two wins, three losses, or three wins, two losses every tournament. But they're doing better than other Admech players. That's shown that they're like, oh, yeah, I'm getting really good at this specific army. That's also another option. Uh you know, the game doesn't have to be wins and losses. It can be about you personally improving, both as a painter and a hobbyist and like as a gamer. Yeah. And TM. I think the, you know, the, an escalation or a slow grow league with a couple of buds is just the best way to do it. Yeah. And before you know it, you and your buds have a whole bunch of like crazy stories about that one sergeant in that space marine squad who just refuses to die or that commissar who like somehow manages to kill tanks with a sword every game. Like, uh, And let me tell you, if you're someone like me, who's a lore whore, that is the best motivation to paint up like single units that you will ever have. Like, um, you know, maybe even in that way, you could take bits from your friends of their army and like decorate their base or your model with it to kind of tell that story. That will get you very attached to your second army so, so quickly. And we're humans, we'll pack bond with anything, including our own miniatures. We will. Good God, you will, though. Like, you, you cannot help it. Um, for example, my for Sylvaneth, my spirit of Durthu turned away like. 20 orc brutes by himself and by himself held the right flank of an entire battlefield the whole right half of the battlefield he funneled them into himself and then killed them all uh that guy is now orc bane i don't care what anybody says that is the orc bane and as far as i'm concerned if i could get like little iron jaws bits to decorate his base or hang corpses from his branches i would and I love him. He's a great model. Uh, great. I can't wait to trample your forest in the Beast of Chaos, and you'll be very mad at me for it. Oh, th that's big talk for a goat mouth. I'm sorry. I can't hear I'm you. I'm sorry. I'm surprised you can even talk being made out of a tree. <laughs> oh. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Did you finally stop wallowing in your own shit to come up here and have a conversation? 
What? Hey, listen, it it wasn't wallowing. It was rolling around. Get it right? Oh, apologies. <laughs> wallowing is three syllables. A little too big for a Beast of Chaos player. I do apologize. <laughs> Me ver sorry. That's two, right? Two syllables on sorry. I couldn't go shorter. Uh, we don't actually have a word for sorry in the Beast of Chaos like vocabulary. Uh, of course you don't. We don't apologize. We just break legs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that. I hope we get to play that grudge match game when COVID's kind of getting lifted, and I cannot wait to talk about that on the episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. And we'll take pictures and stuff to show you guys, like when we're finally able to meet in person, do all sorts of stuff, and you can see our ugly mugs and what we look like. It's great. Uh yeah. Uh, actually, speaking of pictures and stuff, now that we've kind of come to the end of the episode topic itself, um. If you are interested in seeing pictures of stuff we're working on, kind of your know, like the salamanders I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, I'm actually posting that stuff over on Instagram regularly, so we could kind of stay up to date with one another. If you do want to take a look at that, you know we're on Instagram as Kentucky Fried War Gaming. You can see kind of my, uh, the hobby progress as we roll out. Uh, John also has stuff that he's putting up on the Twitters by tweeting, and um, we're also posting videos on TikTok. Um, right now we're doing little bits on kind of in progress work that we're doing with our models. But I think over time, if y'all are into it, I would like to post one minute lore videos and stuff over there explaining little pieces of lore from the games. Um, or funny jokes, stuff like that. Yeah. And kind of just put it up there and have a little bit of fun. I think some people take this hobby way too seriously and I kind of want to bring a little bit of levity to the room and have a bit of fun with it. So if that's something you're into, check us out on those social media platforms. We're around. Um, and also, as always, we've said it before. We will say it again. I'm going to say it every episode. If you do have feedback for us, feel free to reach out to us there. Um, you can DM us or you know tweet at us or whatever. Comment on one of the Instagram posts or on the YouTube. Um, if you do have thoughts on ways that we can improve, things you want to see us do differently, or topics even that you just want us to talk about, we'd love to have them. Um, we've implemented feedback already, as Shane can tell you, and we will continue to do so. Um, that's the best part of being this small, is that even just one person's opinion gets to matter. And I like that a lot. So please, whatever you guys have out there, thoughts or opinions, send them to us. And as we get better at this and more comfortable, we'll probably be making more and more content, and uh, it'd be nice to hear what you guys would like to see so that we can help educate on what we can do in the future. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, as we move forward, we, between the two of us, have talked about different options, maybe live streaming some games, maybe talking about news that comes out on maybe little YouTube videos or something like that. Um, whatever people would be into, maybe hit us up if you'd like to hear something in particular from us, and we'll take that into account. But now that we've kind of done our standard ask for all of your opinions, I think this is the time where we tell you that we've pretty much given you all of our opinions. Bonafide Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all next time.